Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. For Wolverine fans from coast to coast, go blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Joining us on our game day segment in just a minute will be Brendan Quinn from The Athletic Detroit. First, a few of my thoughts to get us rolling. After the Penn State debacle last week, we needed a bounce-back win, and we got that against a pretty good team, Maryland, on Saturday. I still worry about our perimeter shooting, about the long scoring droughts we seem to go through, and our short bench. But that defense, it makes me feel good. We are 23-3, and we've had plenty of off nights on offense during those 26 games. But other than last week's Penn State disaster, the D has been more than good enough to carry us. At this point, we're going to have to ride that D and just find ways to gut it out and win and get as much from this offense as we can. On Sunday, Michigan State will pay a visit to Chrysler, and we all know what that game means. But we have to take care of some other business first, and that's on the road. Thursday, we travel to Minnesota, and while they have struggled mightily at times this year, they are a much better team at home and we have got to bring it from the start. My guest today says the Big Ten race is far from over and might not be decided until that last weekend of the season when we visit the Breslin Center for the regular season finale. Brendan Quinn from The Athletic Detroit is up next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Here with us on our game day segment this week is the outstanding basketball writer from the Athletic Detroit, Brendan Quinn. Brendan, once again, great to have you back with us. Mike, always a pleasure, man. Big week. It is a huge week, absolutely, as we uh, you know get to that final stretch of the season. Looking back, though, at this past weekend, Brendan, coming off uh-huh. of a just pitiful, pitiful performance in Happy Valley, Michigan, needed at home to come up and come back with a big win, and they did that against a very good Maryland team, didn't they? Yeah, um, a, a solid all-around performance, once again, kind of highlighting uh, Xavier Simpson's overall importance, which it seems like uh, you get kind of a, a smack-in-the-face reminder of every week or so. Um, but then also probably uh, pretty good to see Charles Matthews continue his upward swing. Um, it, I think it's important for him to string performances together and not just kind of have these on again, off again type performances. And, uh, you know, to win with, uh, John Teske and Jordan Poole on a combined one for 10 on threes, uh, it's pretty good. You know, it's a defense first team. And, um, as long as that's the personality, they can they can still win any game. Well, you mentioned uh, on Sunday uh, in the Athletic that this could be, or at least the headline said, uh, this could be Charles Charles Matthews last stand at mm-hmm. Michigan, and he's you know he has been maybe not what a lot of fans thought he would be this year, but again, he's elevating at the right time. Is he the key for not only the next two weeks but a run in the tournament for this team? No, I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't put it on on one person like that um i I think if charles has a so-so um ncaa tournament run you know being not what he did last year um for instance yeah i don't think that that then eliminates them from um having a chance of of making a run i I think 
um, you know, Jordan Poole, everyone's kind of forgotten about him because he hasn't been shooting the ball well, but, um, you know, percentages say at some point he could get hot. And if he gets hot at the right time and, and string games together, well, they're suddenly a completely different team. Or if, if Ignis Brasdakis um, can kind of relocate his comfort level and kind of knowing when to go, when to shoot, when to drive, when to do all these things, um, you know, he could still be their best player. John Teske could be their best player on any given night. It doesn't need to be um, Charles Matthews, and, and that's it. That might be the strength of this team offensively, Brendan. You, wa- you watch them. I mean, every time I, I watch this team, I wonder, the first thing I think of is how did they get to 23 wins because the offense is just, it just doesn't seem to be in sync, but it's someone stepping up or two guys stepping up every night. And uh, you wonder what would happen if three or four or five of these guys were hot at one time. Yeah, I think John Beeline is wondering that too. Um, <laughs> it, I, I did early in the year um, from November into December, I, did, I was operating with the theory that you know, just based on history, by the end of the year, the offense would catch up with the defense. And if the offense caught up with the defense, well, then look out. You know, you're looking at a, a clear national championship uh, contender. And that qu- hasn't quite happened. Um, the offense is still kind of enigmatic on any given night. The, the Maryland game was a, a perfect example. They looked brilliant in the first five minutes of that game. And then basically just relied on the defense for the next 35 to, to get them home. And, you know, you just – you kind of scratch your head sometimes. Um, but, you know, when it's a team of um, that still relies on going downhill, that's being defended differently than it was early in the year. I think people are still defending Michigan as you would a typical um, five-out Michigan team. It's just not quite that. You know, you can sag a little bit. You know, there's no reason to step out on Xavier Simpson. There's no reason to step out on Iggy Bradzakis. Right now, you know, John Teske, while because he had – um, a couple breakout performances earlier shooting the ball. Um, I think people maybe fell into a false sense of security that he's, you know, it's basically Mo Wagner 2.0. And it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not that right. He's, he's um, a 34% three point shooter in, in league games, which is great. But I mean, if you really look at the numbers, his big games kind of were, were bunched together. He went two for two, one game, he went three for five or something like that. Another game and every other, performance you know he's not Mo Wagner he can shoot the three he's a threat but if I'm an opposing defense I'm okay with him taking that and that's what Maryland was clearly okay with and that's why he took seven and he went one for seven so um you know it's been quite a a matrix for Beeline to try to figure out how to counter the way that they are being defended with the personnel and the skill sets that they have still the key is Xavier Simpson with the ball in his hands creating getting into the meat of the defense and trying to find um, leverage and, and, and passing lanes and creating driving lanes for, for those guys to go downhill. Well, despite the struggles from the perimeter from three-point land, and they have been struggles this year, you look at the numbers, this is not a typical John Beeline team when it comes to long-range shooting, and they have their droughts uh, in, in just about every game. They go minutes, it seems, mm-hmm. uh, struggling. And then you look at the stats and say, this offense is number three in the Big Ten. At least they were coming into this mm-hmm. week. I'm not sure how, but they just seem to get it done however they have to. And I suppose at this point of the season, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, it would it would depend on the stats that you're looking at, too. I mean, I would go by the by Ken Palm's efficiency stats in league games only. And in that, they're fifth. Um, so the main reason why, though, is, is the constant 
of of the beeline system and it's you know they don't turn the ball over and um, as long as you're playing a low possession game and you're not turning the ball over um, you're going to have an efficient offense and that's you know what what beeline has has always done and always relied on but you're right I mean there are games where you're just you can't really figure out why they can't go on longer runs or just even have just even just look consistent for for 40 minutes it's it's kind of a, a moving target on on when they do what they do particularly well. Um, you know, you just example after example. You remember back to like that Indiana game on the yeah. road where they just came out ripping and tearing, just looked amazing. <laughs> yeah, and then it just you know like you snap a finger and it's just gone. Um, so you know, I don't know. It's it's such an, an oddity of, of basketball where you can look at like a different team game to game and then within every game. Well, offensively, that is how they've been. It's uh, you never know what you're going to get, but you know, I've been watching basketball, Michigan basketball for a long time and I'm an old guy back in the sixties, seventies, <laughs> and I've seen some good teams uh, at Chrysler. I don't think I've ever seen a team defense that's as fun to watch and as good as this Michigan defense is right now. Yeah. And I've like, my thing with this team all along has kind of been that it's, it's amazing. I think you can tell the difference when they go into games and they are more worried about ruining the opponent's offense than anything else. And those are the games I feel like where you see a different personality from this group and not coincidentally, those are the games I feel like when the offense actually looks better too, because everything comes from the defense, right? If they are just demoralizing a team every time down defensively, well, suddenly that's going to impact the opponent's defense or it's going to lead to maybe some runouts. It's going to lead to some turnovers, and that makes things a heck of a lot easier offensively. So this the, the Maryland game was a good example of it where they just they were locked in defensively, and that stemmed clearly from giving up 75 points to Penn State and what – Beeline said it was basically the worst defensive performance in two years. Mm-hmm. It's not a coincidence that they rededicated themselves to being what they are. You know, these are a bunch of players that on paper, when you look at them, you say, yes, this is a great defensive team, but like Iggy Brandekis is a scorer, man. Like he wants to score the ball. Charles Matthews wants to score the ball. He wants to be an NBA basketball player. Jordan Poole wants to shoot, shoot, shoot. Like these are guys who want to play offense, but they just happen to be a better defensive team. So it's almost like you just need that reminder going into every game and like the Michigan state game next weekend, those internal meetings before it need to be, you know, hold them to 55 points and, you know, just ruin that, that offense. And don't worry. Yeah. Ruin Michigan state's offense. Everything else will come from it, man. You know, like the offense on the Michigan side of the ball um, can find a way Mm -hmm. to score. Um, at the end of the day, it might not be pretty, but they'll they'll find a way to score. Um, it's the defense that actually wins the game, though. Well, every game huge now. There just aren't that many left uh, this week. It's on the road to Minnesota, though, and I know they have not been overly impressive. But you just have to look back to last week in Happy Valley and see what happens if you don't bring it on the road. These guys are a tough out in their place, aren't they? Not only are they a tough out, but they're playing for a lot. Um, Minnesota is seventeen and nine overall, seven and eight in the league. Um, I know everyone watches Minnesota and it doesn't look like an NCAA tournament team a lot of times. And 
I think more than any team in the conference, they probably get picked apart and maybe even belittled sometimes. But outside of the winter vortex of the Big Ten, <laughs> um, Minnesota is in the NCAA tournament right now, and it's on the bubble, but it is in the thick of the conversation. They are playing for a lot. Um, you know, this is a game out there that I think goes a long way in rubber stamping them as an NCAA tournament team because after Michigan, they close out the, the next two games are Rutgers and Northwestern. Now, I mean, now you're talking about a team that they have, you know, there's a good chance that they, if they could win this game, they can get to 10 and 8 in the league mm-hmm. um, before finishing with Purdue and Maryland. Like, there's a lot on the line for Minnesota. Um, the numbers don't like Minnesota. Um, sometimes when I watch them in person, I think they look indifferent. When I was at the Michigan State game, when they were in East Lansing a couple weekends ago, and they're walking up and down the court while Michigan State is putting a like twenty point beating on them, um, but lo and behold, in terms of the NCAA tournament resume, like they're right in it. So yeah, they're playing for a lot out there. I'm not sure how the crowd will be, and sometimes I wonder whether Minnesota wants a Minnesota fan would want them to win or not, because you know the. the yeah, sneak in the tournament well that's another year Richard Pitino you just add on a year anytime they 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 win so I don't know what they want out there but there's a lot on the line there it's a dangerous game weird things happen at the barn remember this is where Saudi Washington got a technical for jumping on the court (laughs) once like it's a weird building and weird things happen uh and you're on the road so uh it's a dangerous game um they, they can't get caught peaking at to Sunday, I'll tell you that much. Oh, no, absolutely. They have got to be focused, take care of business there. And we all know what's up next. Everyone in the state's talking about it already as if there isn't a game yeah. in between. But, you know, <laughs> this Sunday, Chrysler Center, uh, Michigan State, that's all you need to say. But how different is this Spartan team without Nick Ward? Um, it's it's very – Michigan State is a, is a strange team, Um when when Josh Langford went out with injury, obviously a huge loss on paper, and everyone knows what Josh Langford can give you. But if you just looked at the actual analytics of it and, and the numbers of Langford on the court and off the court, they were actually better with him off the court than on the court. And now somehow, losing Ward, if you look at just the Big Ten numbers, believe mm-hmm. it or not, it's the same thing again. The numbers in Big Ten play, just on analytics, are better with him off the floor than on the floor. And I know that this sounds completely improbable and anyone who doesn't, I'm not a huge metrics guy, but you know, I appreciate the value that they bring And Anyone who's anti metrics would say, you know, that's just a ridiculous thing. My eyes say what Nick Ward gives you. Well, that's true, but the numbers don't lie either. And I think they can get by, you know, the biggest effects of Ward's absence are the fact that on any given day, he can be the best player on the court and he can mm-hmm. win you a game, right? He can go yeah. for 25 and 12. The problem is you have no idea when it might happen or not. Um, and the other thing is, by him being out, their depth is very much called into question. And if you're talking about Thomas Kithier having to play extended minutes or, you know, you're asking Xavier Tillman to play 30, where I don't think he, he'd be the first to admit he's probably not quite conditioned right now to play 30 minutes. Or if you have to go deep bench, and you're talking about Marcus Bingham or Braden Burke, who's a walk-on. Like, if if that's the residual that they have to survive 10 minutes in the deep bench, like, that's the problem. Um, I don't know if it's as much about, you know, Ward and his basic 
whatever he averages, 14 and seven or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Michigan State, I think, can find ways to score and, and can it's, – it's a Cassius Winston first team. If Winston went down, forget about it. Pack it up, right? I don't think yeah. this is a pack it up situation. Are they a Final Four team without Ward? I don't know. But that might be a moot point because I think you'll be back for the NCAA tournament. Uh, that's at least the sounds of it. So um, for this matchup, though, like Nick Ward isn't a good matchup for Michigan. So, they, you know, Michigan State doesn't really want him to try to have to deal with the ball screen stuff that, that Michigan brings. Um, so on paper, based on the last matchups, like losing Ward, I don't know how much of an impact it has on this game. At the same time, in Ward's junior year this season, the times that have kind of been gut-check moments for him, like his mm-hmm. game in Columbus and a few others, like he stepped to the table, and, and he really performed well. So, you know, you can't speak in hypotheticals, but, you know, maybe maybe he had that in him because he has a bad history against Michigan, and maybe this was going to be the year he kind of got that monkey off his back. That could certainly have been the case, but we'll never know. Well, given State's injury situation and the fact Michigan, after this weekend, still has to go on the road to Maryland, uh, you would think there is a still a good chance it could all come down to that last game at the Breslin uh, in March, Brendan. And wouldn't that be insane? Uh, Michigan, Michigan State for the regular season Big Ten championship. Uh, it would be crazy there, wouldn't it? It would be. It would be incredible. There's a number of ways it could play out. You know, they'll still need um, uh, both would need Purdue to still kind of take a step back yeah. and maybe lose a game that it shouldn't um, produce lurking there at 11 and three while Michigan and Michigan state are both 12 and three. Um, so if you're planning on a split, if Michigan and Michigan state can both manage to win out, but split with each other, that would put them both at 16 and four. So you would need Purdue to lose um, two games for that to truly be a big 10 regular season conference championship game which which i think we all want i think it would be awesome yeah um and in that case it would be fascinating because if it's if it's for a split um you know then you get the two teams who both have banners or one team gets it by itself which would be you know a lot on the line and then you know for big 10 tournament seeding for anyone who cares about that michigan would hold the tiebreaker um, if they do split because of because it went one and zero against uh, Purdue, a lot has to play out before we get to that point. Of course, and anything oh, can yeah. happen as oh, yeah. as we've seen already <laughs> this year. You know, with fans and media, everyone gets ahead of themselves. We're all talking NCAA tournament and seeding, and yes, it's premature. It's fun though. If both Michigan and Michigan State finish strong, and maybe it comes down to that final game in East Lansing. Uh, do you still see these teams as number two seeds, both of them possibly? Yeah, I think that's in play. If they both finish strong, and I, I mean, I think you could even see, you know, say if if one misses out on a share, right? So say, like, hypothetically, if Michigan or Michigan State shares it with Purdue, for instance, um, and then maybe the other one reaches the Big Ten championship game and loses, um, I still think they would both you know a lot of this depends on what other teams do but i think the overall strength of both of those resumes would probably have them um on the two line i i I think i think that sounds right yeah well brendan you cover both michigan and michigan state uh, for the athletic detroit and so you get to see both of them which of these two Mm -hmm. teams and this might not be a fair question right now with the with the michigan state (laughs) injuries but 
Which of these two teams do you think is best equipped to make a run in the NCAA tournament, maybe past the first weekend? I mean, I think they're both more than equipped to at least make it past the first weekend. Um, to, to make a run maybe reminiscent of Michigan's last year, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's really hard because you would say, man, you know, Michigan's at least got the defense to do it. So, well, but the problem is they, Michigan State has the defense, too, to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, they are um, an elite top 10 team um, nationally you know, in defensive efficiency. So, man, you know, it's really hard when you look at, I would say if I had to pick one that probably is more equipped to do so, I would maybe say Michigan right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just because I think they have multiple players who can take over a game offensively. And um, as it's been seen in the NCAA tournament, like sometimes you just need one guy to have a game that, that the other team can't scout for. And um, Michigan by a hair probably has a little bit more uh, makeup for that part of the conversation because they're both defensively elite. Now, the thing is that like the real answer to this question, which is a complete cop-out, <laughs> is it, it's all dependent on the draw. Um, you know, it, if you if you run into a team that's just a terrible matchup, and you get bounced, you know that's the stuff that you know, those are the those are the breaks you get, right? Where right. you look at Michigan's run last year to to have the you know not to dismiss what they did, but to be able to go um, into the NCAA tournament and go Montana, Houston, Texas A and M, Florida State, Loyola, Chicago as your road to the national championship game, I think anyone who's honest with themselves um, would say that's pretty advantageous. That's you're not going to get much better than that on on your way to, uh, to the tournament. And along the way, it takes a miracle from Jordan pool to get you there. So like these, you know, when when you're breaking down the conversation of who can go further, it's really who gets luckier sometimes. Well, a final question for you, Brendan, Um, at this time, Next month, March Madness will, of course, be in full swing. And we're all focused on the Big Ten, you on Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, so it's, it's tough sometimes to get a, a national picture. At least it is for me. I watch, I watch as much as I can, and I think, I don't know who I could say is a favorite, who, who, who even are the best teams out there. A lot of people talk mm-hmm. about Duke. But do you have sort of a, a feel, if you had to pick a team or, or a couple of teams right now to say they are the teams to beat, who would you say? Uh, well, I really like Tennessee. Um, they really remind me a lot of some recent uh, Villanova teams, just in terms of their their age, their makeup, their moxie. Um, you know, they have multiple pros. They are uh, they know what they're doing. Um, so I I really like Tennessee. I really like uh, Gonzaga. I think they have the the talent um, on both ends, offense and defense, um, to to really make a run. Um, same goes for Virginia. Um, which has a lot to prove after last year. Um, you know, I Duke is interesting because of just the, the sheer force and talent that they have. But just these the, the freshman laden teams of late, at least in the NCAA tournament, have been have proven that you know it helps to be there. And you know what happens one game when their shots aren't falling and and things can go off the rails. You see it with some of these one and done teams. Um, I would just be a little bit uncomfortable picking Duke to, to win it all, but it's certainly with Zion and, and Barrett and just 
that whole crew of, of guys um, certainly have the, the makeup to do it. But, you know, beyond, beyond that, you're, you're kind of outliers. Um, I don't know. I, no, no team has really jumped out at me. Um, Villanova is oddly kind of lurking there again. They suddenly are making all their shots after, yeah. um, I, know, I know they just lost to St. John's, but you know, up until that, they, they were kind of cooking pretty good as a team that can just make threes and do a lot of, a lot of things. But, um, you know, I don't really like North Carolina because their teams are usually so dependent on point guard play. And, um, it lacks that right now. Texas tech is an interesting team. Um, but can they score enough? Um, a good sleeper might be Iowa state, um, which has really an interesting makeup and that they were, um, you know, what, what can Steve prom coach him to the final four or something mm-hmm. like that? I, I don't know, but um, they do have some nice pieces. So um, I don't know. I'll circle Tennessee. I'll circle Gonzaga, um, Virginia. Or those are the teams I kind of, if I had to pick a group, you know, I'm not saying they're all going to go to the final four, but if I had to pick kind of a, a group that maybe my national championship would, mm-hmm. my national champion would come from today. Um I'd probably look at them. We didn't mention Kentucky, did we? No. Um, you know, that's kind of hard to overlook a team that, you know, everyone's going to talk about their NBA potential and stuff like that. But if you look at their numbers, it's actually their defense is better than their offense. And um, I like that for a team that that does have an interesting makeup of one-and-done talent and returnees. You know, they're, the luxury of having a guy like Reed Travis for that team is really paying major dividends. And they're going to be a tough out in the tournament, no doubt. Our guest today has been uh, the outstanding basketball writer from The Athletic, The Athletic Detroit, Brendan Quinn. Uh, as always, Brendan, it's a pleasure having you on the show. And a couple of weeks down the road, once we get into a full swing with March Madness, we'd like to get you back. Happy to do so. And for any anyone out there who is into basketball podcasts, uh, Dylan Burkhart, uh, who I don't know if you ever had him on your show, Mike, but I, yes. Dylan Burkhart from UM, UM Hoops and I, uh, we have our own podcast, The Moving Screen. So if, if any like-minded folks out there who like this podcast would probably like that one as well. So be sure to check that out on whatever you subscribe to your podcast on. Good deal. And we'll get it on the show notes. So uh, everyone uh, has the link then, Brendan. Thanks much, Mike. Quick hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on the Michigan man on Wolverine sports radio, a member of the V Sporto network and in partnership with SB nations maze and brew. On Quick Hits today, we have a date for the spring football game. It will be on April 13th at 5 p.m. There is also a planned event of sorts, a practice or a fan fest. We're not really sure at this point. It will take place a week before on April 6th. Additional information and details will be released in the near future, and we'll have those for you. Coach Kim barnes Rico and her team are red hot right now. They beat Illinois 70-56 in Champaign on Sunday. Thursday, Rutgers visits Chrysler, and on Sunday, we make the trip over to East Lansing for a big game with the Spartans. We are 18-9 overall, 9-6 in the Big Ten. Hockey is at home for a pair with Ohio State this weekend. They are 12-12-6 overall, 8-8-4 in Big Ten play. Softball had a rough weekend in the ACC Big Ten Challenge last week. They beat Louisville 6-0 in the opener, and then dropped the next three. Twice to North Carolina, and once to Louisville. They will be back in action this weekend at the LSU Invitational. 
and they are 4-4 four and four to start the season. Baseball took three from Binghamton down in Port St. Lucie over the weekend to get their season started. This week we'll be down in Charleston for three games with the Citadel. Don't forget our free show app is available from the Google Play and iTunes stores. You can also hear us on Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, Spotify, and Wolverine Sports Radio. Later this week, I'll have our February Michigan Man Extra for you. Our guest will be Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports with our first recruiting update of the year. I'll update you on Facebook and Twitter probably sometime on the weekend or early next week. That will do it for now. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!